Thought leaders, storytellers and griots sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week. This is a story that uh, goes on again and again and again, and we try and uh, get to understand it a little more deeply because it makes a difference given how many people are engaging in the um, civil society space and really attempting to grow small organizations. What does it mean? How do they operate? On the line with us, we have Patrick Schofield. He's the founder and director as well as CEO of Back a Buddy. We'll find out about that in a moment. As well as Nicole Copley, who's a specialist lawyer at the NGO Law. So what are they all about? We'll start with you, Patrick. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure, Michelle. Great to be here. Patrick, this is something uh, we were recently at uh, at a project together and, and talking about the issues that are aligned to uh, the differences between being a not-for-profit, an NGO, and NPC. How do you look at that particular space? Give us the overarching view. You know, um, so what I like about how the structure is being set up in South Africa is that it's very, very simple to set up your, your own NPO, your non-profit organization. Um, you, you very much need to just say this is your mandate, this is what you're looking to do, and you need uh, three directors, and off you go. Um, and... It really is about just just defining through the structure that you've created what your intentions are. Now, of course, because um, because um, SARS as a you know, revenue service, we need revenue to run our country. Um, need to be very careful about who they um, allow tax tax exemption to flow through for, and what kind of specific um, projects or um, non-profit um, uh, organisations should be supported in that way. They have to be very careful. Um, so it means that um, it's uh, when it comes to the difference between a non-profit or an organization that is a PBO, which I'm sure Nicole will go into more just now, um, uh, PBOs are a much smaller subset of non-profit organizations. And um, you know, as an organization like Backabuddy that uh, helps people raise funds for um, you know, and various different uh, uh, needs and so forth, we recognize that the structure works very well. If, so, for example, if someone wants to set up an NPO to, um, to help um, uh, an animal shelter, that might not be a PBO organization that's tax exempt. But um, uh, what it does allow is that uh, organization to get up running very quickly and start fulfilling their mandate. So we're going to go to Nicole, and Patrick, we'll come back to you in a moment. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. If we look at those terms, I mean, there's NGO, NPO, NPC, PBO. And I think, I mean, if I was going in cold and maybe I was running a food kitchen and I thought, well, okay, I need to formalize this as a structure. Where on earth do I start? And I need you to really speak to me in layman's terms because I'm not going, I have no idea you know, what the differentiation between them all is. How do I do that? Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. I'm beyond excited to be here, so I'm just <laughs> trying to breathe. Because um, <laughs> I love your show, and I love the work you do with story, highlighting the stories of so many of my clients. It's amazing. Anyway, because I spend a lot of every day explaining these acronyms to people, and there's so much confusion around them. Some of them mean nothing, and some of them mean a lot. 
Yeah. Um, and in fact, so the term that I use to describe the, the sector that I work in, the work we do, which is NGO, actually means nothing legally. It's got no, it's got no legal hook. It's just a broad general use term, which is why I use it so that it's kind of an, an all-in kind of um, NGO term, right? So any it's, organization that is not part of government, the public yeah. sector, is an NGO? Yeah, and you can, yes, and it's something you can name and claim, or if you think it's a bit of a fudgy old name and not, then whatever, you know, yeah. you can call yourself something else. But it doesn't have any legal consequence at all. So let's cut um, that off the, off yeah. the list. So okay. here's, here's the thing. <laughs> contrary, to, contrary to widely held popular opinion, and in fact, some t- inside some government departments, an NPO, which is a non-profit organization, is not actually a type of legal entity. NPO status is um, something that's awarded by the NPO directorate, which currently sits inside DSD, um, and it is an add-on household embellishment um, kind of thing for your structure, and it is available to any one of the three types of legal entity that you could run a non-profit out of in South Africa. Now, the reason that people have got muddled up is because, um, to be frank, the NPO, the Nonprofit Organizations Act, creates the muddle in some of the ways that it's drafted. Um, but and also because um, the NPO directorate set up under DSD largely deals with the type of the legal entity they largely deal with is the one which I think Patrick was referring to, which is a voluntary association. Now, voluntary associations mm. are ancient of days. Um, they've been they've been around forever, and as long as you get a gang of people together around a common purpose, which is a non-profit purpose, and you sign a constitution yeah. under common law, you're away. You don't need anybody else's say so. You can go to the bank and you can open a bank account for your choir, your soccer team, your fundraising group, your knitting club, whatever you want to do. You can and you're and you're gone, and that's under, you're away, and that's under common law. However, because a lot of people and donors want a bit more comfort and um, is this thing credible, is it real? And also because banks are rather in love with registration numbers, um, then a lot of people actually head themselves towards the NPO directorate and get, get an NPO number. At the moment, an NPO registration is compulsory, and this is actually newly so, under the new um, Anti-Money anti money Laundering um, Act that was passed in December. Mm. It's only actually compulsory for organizations which operate or fund cross-border, so out of South Africa. Um, other than that, you don't have to have that number, unless you want government funding, in which case you better have it in place. Okay, so that's NPO. Um, I'm, I, I hope not. Everybody's not zoning out on me because this is a so, little bit of a story. No, so I'm just going to. So let's just. So let's just take. So so not for profit organisation an NPO is yeah. a voluntary organisation. So my buddies and I, who are all knitters, for example, and yes. we, we all decide. Okay, what we're going to do is once once a month we're going to each put ten rand into an account, and we're going to use that money to buy very interesting different types of wool and go on knitting courses or whatever the case may be. In yes. which case, we open a bank account under the name of Michelle's Knitting Company or yes. Michelle's Knitting Team. That is an NPO. It's a voluntary association. Well, it's not an NPO because it's just a voluntary association. The NPO is the thing that is you the moment get you get the registration. If you go to DSD and show them that you've got certain basic things in your constitution or other founding document, and then they'll say, "Okay, all right, you're a voluntary association, but we'll also stick this other extra label on number. you." Yeah. However, if you you can also get an NPO number if you are a charitable trust or if you are an NPC. Now, this is the other acronym that's muddling everybody because it's got N and P in it as well, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> which is terribly confusing. 
So an NPC is the new name under the Companies Act for what used to be called a Section 21 company. Um, and it is, registered, it is registered with the company's office, and it's kind of becoming the gold standard of nonprofits. And it's because the CIPC, to be honest, is working terribly well, except for their last rollout and rollback, but no more than that. Yeah. And, they, and so there is kind of an online visible um, credibility and verifiable status if you register as an NPC. Plus, if you register as an NPC, you've got the heft of the Companies Act behind you and all its very detailed rules on governance and mm. compliance. So, yeah, so you've got three types of legal entity, voluntary association, charitable trust, and NPC, and any of those could also get an NPO number and, if they do the right sort of work, as Patrick was saying, can apply to SARS and say, will you recognize us with PBO, public benefit organization status, and also possibly 18A, even a smaller subset, that's deductibility for donors. And that's all the acronyms in... In a, in, a, in a bag. <laughs> sorry. So, no, no, it's not sorry at all, Nicole, because I think that a lot of us are very unclear about this. So, if, for example, I let me go back to my soup kitchen. I decide that I'm going that I'm running a soup kitchen. I've been doing it for two years. Yeah. It is growing um, incrementally. I started with me on my own as the founder. I then uh, brought in two more people. I'm now three people, and I've decided we need to formalize it. Mm-hmm. Would it be better for me to become an NPC, a not-for-profit company, than an NPO? And what would the value of being a not-for-profit company as opposed to being a not-for-profit organization be? Okay. So, I, so the first thing is if there are only three of you involved, I would definitely say rather set up an NPC because a voluntary association is meant to have a whole shebang of oh, people of who gather every year and have an AGM and vote for a new committee, right? Yeah. So I, we see this a lot, and it's because of the ease of um, convincing people that you are a voluntary association. You just sign the constitution and you roll. And nobody ever asks you, well, people often don't ask, how many members do you have? When did you have your last AGM? Are the people at the AGM all the same people as are on the committee? And so, so it, there's a, there are a lot of organizations which are, which are operating as voluntary associations which shouldn't be because they're not really that. Yeah. Um, and that's not authentic. They're not being what they say on the tin. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And they're doing that because it was something that was quick and easy to do and because they didn't pause and take a breath and say, actually, are we actually a more tightly held bunch of people? Are we, do we, you know, where do we fit? Which would be the most authentic and the most credible place for us to, to sit? Patrick, yeah. you are the founder of Backer Buddy, and I'm sure you, when you started Backer Buddy, had to go through all of those kinds of questions. Talk to us about that process that happened for you. Yeah, Michelle, I said we, we we did go through that process, and Nicole, thank you so much for for, for joining us this because it's a there's there's because of all the acronyms, it's often very confusing for people, and um and as you said. You know, um, what we found, and actually through establishing Backer Buddy as well, um, is, that, is that it's really important that you get the structure in place that will enable you to go to the level of scale that you want for your organization. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to set up a highly complex structure if you're literally just going to be a food, doing a food garden in your local area. Backer Buddy was set up as an NPC. And, um, and exactly as Nicole was saying, that was because... We are handling over 8 million rand a month now of donor funds 
that flows to over 900 individual organizations. And that's everyone from um, Gift to the Givers through to your local little food gardens. Um, so you know, you know, I know a lot of people react against registration and so forth, the time, the administration, all of that. But you know, registration and the company that is there to protect you. Yeah. And yeah. protect you as an organization and the public. So, you know, we have over 8,000 donors a month coming through back buddy, and each of those people um, want to see the impact of their donations. So um, as much as it can sometimes be a hassle to, to go through the registration process and then keep your, you know, keep your um, uh, registration documents and annual reports and so forth coming through, um, it is critically important to allow us to function as a, an efficient part of society. And maybe that's where I just want to touch quickly is that you know, I, I, I really do think that people within the, us, within the NGOs or NPC sector <laughs> um, and NGO sector in, in general, should live up to and adhere to the same level of standards that you do within the corporate sector. Yeah. yeah and that's, you know, we see so much um, uh, um, stuff goes wrong. People often start off with the best intentions, their governance doesn't work. And then suddenly their intentions are being questioned. And we find 90% of the time that actually they're doing the work. But because they're reporting the sentence in the correct way, um, people question them. And that's extremely sad. So, you know, they say I actually turned to, um, there was a conversation with, uh, with President Kagame from Rwanda uh, you know, a while back at one of the World Economic Forums. And he was asked by some social entrepreneurs there. Why does Rwanda have such a low level of corruption? And his answer was, because right at the start, we make sure the structures are in place to ensure accountability. And that, I think, is, is, is one of the cornerstones of actually an efficient um, uh, rollout of impact within society, is ensuring that your underlying structures are firm and are accountable. So we need to go to a break, but when we come back from the break, Nicole, I'd like to take um, what Patrick was noting uh, uh, here with regards to becoming an efficient part of society. You mm-hmm. know, when you talk about risk and governance, many of us don't understand what that is. I mean, you could say, well, it's an NPC, so therefore um, it's it's got a link up to the King 4, but many people don't know what that is. So let's, uh, if you can, maybe when we come back from the break, just explain that very briefly for us. Thought leaders, storytellers and griots sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week trying to uh, understand the differences between a not-for-profit organization, a non-governmental organization, a not-for-profit company, and indeed the governance policies and issues that align with it. We've got Patrick Schofield, who is the founder and CEO of Back a Buddy. And uh, as he says, they're working with enormous sums of money at this point. So as a not-for-profit company, they need to have their governance in place. Nicole Copley is a specialist lawyer at NGO Law. And uh, Nicole, I asked you to maybe just tease out the concept of governance and risk in an organization. Thanks, Michelle. And this is something we could talk about um, for about three hours, if people would probably zone out. But just briefly, I, I just think that one of the things one always has to bear in mind with the NGO sector is that people who give money to organizations, typically, as Patrick said, they want it spent on the projects. They want to see it's happening and that it's being it's out there and it's on the ground and it's being spent on, on, on things that are impacting communities. 
Um, but those same donors also require high standards of financial and organizational governance and compliance, and all of those things take time, energy, and money. And that's the constant tension in an NGO. When I, tra I trained a board recently, and somebody leaned forward and said, in fact, she's a friend of yours, leaned forward and said, how much governance is, too, is enough governance? Sure. And anyway, so, that's, so that's, an, that's an ongoing debate and something that, a tension that's always there. And the other thing to bear in mind too is that the registrations and statuses that we've been talking about are just the ground floor of compliance. They're not governance. Mm. Go compliance is necessary and is important and, it's, it's, and if you're going to fund an organization, those are the, you need to have those tick boxes in place to make sure that at least those things are there but that doesn't ensure that proper governance happens um governance is, is how the board leads governance is what is what the board does anyway yeah. so another huge topic um, just getting back to the very important thing that patrick said i think um uh, there's often a call from the non-profit sector as a whole saying oh this compliance and governance stuff it's too hard it's too cumbersome it's too time consuming it's expensive make it easier but in fact, I think that there's there's a there's a basic issue there because it's it's if it, it, it's it, it's that getting if you can't get the what is very basic compliance requirements already as Patrick's pointed out if you can't get those right then actually you're probably not going to be properly governed and yeah. probably you shouldn't be entrusted with money so I, I so having an entry level of ground floor compliance that people must must adhere to is brilliant for accountability for me and just for just for credibility making sure that where the money is going that there's a better chance that it's going to be safely and properly spent nicole one of our listeners is asking and and i think we we've seen over the last uh, couple of months last year um with the work that ground up has been doing um around the lotteries and some of the companies or npcs or npos whatever mm. that have been um uh, engaged with is the issue of many NPCs being used for illicit financial outflows and um, the, our listeners saying what about conduits to overthrow governments but I'm perhaps more interested at this point as in the danger of um, how it can be used illicitly yeah, so one must remember that there are structures and there is registration and there's compliance, but then there are people in between, <laughs> right? No. And, <laughs> and the thing is that, and following the work, that, the excellent work that Ground Up has been doing, uncovering various things, if you go and have a good look at the registration statuses and the compliance statuses of 80% of those organizations that are being, fingers are being pointed at, they're all in place. They're registered as NPCs, mm, they've got PBO yeah. status, they've got 18O status, they've got NPO reports, they're filing their NPO annual reports, they're filing their CIPARs, they're being audited. None of those things is an, is an absolute guarantee against, in a space, in a period of time, somebody getting in there who's got too much power, too much charisma, um, and, and actually sending, sending something wrong. Hopefully... The compliance and the governance in a nonprofit should pull it back to the center and it should be discovered and there should be systems and structures and clarity and reporting. But where there are people involved and where there's motive and there's opportunity and sadly in the nonprofit sector, because as I said, there's often not enough money to spend on all of these highest levels of compliance and, and, and responsibility and governance, there are often gaps to be taken. Patrick, um... <laughs> Yeah. I love Sorry. the birds in the background. It's fantastic. Um, 
when you come to Backer Buddy, so we've interviewed mm-hmm. someone on this show before, Gustavo Apples, younger, 18 years old, who did yeah. start a soup kitchen with his um, grandmother in Elgin. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think a lot about him when, when we have these interviews, because I think about how would Gustavo go forward and do this? Like if you had to advise someone like him who is still in matric, um, was actually digging graves during COVID to make money sure. in his spare time, how would you advise him moving forward if he wanted to turn his soup kitchen and the work that he did into a not-for-profit and something that could do good in his society? Um, you know, straight up, I'd say if he's not registered, if he hasn't registered an NPC, then go ahead and do it. Um, because he's, if he already has an operational um, uh, yeah, food kitchen as such and is, is creating product, um, uh, you know, as Nicole said, it makes it so much easier for donors to give if they have those underlying structures in place. It just, you know, as, 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 as I saying as well, they don't guarantee that, that, uh, that the funds are going to be used correctly. But they tell you that at least the founders have committed to some kind of level of accountability and someone's watching them. So, you know, with that, it's one of the things that, that, that we've kind of taken on as, as, as backer buddy to be accountable for is we recognize that having a registration in place shows intent. But hmm. delivery needs to be checked. So what we focused on is, let's say, if the Gustavo um, launch a campaign on Backabody to, uh, tomorrow to fund uh, the building of the, of the new uh, food kitchen. What we do is, once the funds are raised, then we follow up. And uh-huh. we ensure that Gustavo actually sends at least three or four separate individual updates as to how he's doing. Now, what's exciting about that is, you know how many times you think, oh, comes, you know, I supported this guy, Gustavo, last year, and uh, he's doing the free kitchen. What happened? You know, I mean, if you can find out. Compared to in a year's time, you say, you know, guys, you know that, that, that person, Gustavo, we, we, um, we, we helped fund last year. Have you seen, I just got this an update that says he has this free kitchen. He hasn't actually out there um, working with people in the community. Isn't this awesome? This is a little video. Now, what I'm loving about the world of today the ability to do, to do that is very accessible, whether it's through a TikTok, through whether it's through a WhatsApp video. It means from that accountability side, we're moving from the, yes, we have to have the registration in place, to let me see evidence of impact. Yeah. And we can actually do it. And that's a big thing. Is it used to be extremely uh, onerous. Uh, I'm sorry, onerous. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, you'd have to have a, a report and so forth. And when the question is asked, how much governance or how much, how much um, oversight is enough? Well, what's fantastic about today's world is you don't need to do an annual report of that kind of stuff to provide evidence of impact. Instead, yeah. it's those little you know, nuggets that get shared through little WhatsApp videos, TikToks and circles, and people get to see on the ground and what's happening. And that's what we're doing, is saying, yes, tick, you've got your registration, that's great, but... We want people to see what you've actually done with the funds that you've used. Yeah, and they can do it through a video. Patrick yeah, and yeah. Nicole, I'm gonna. We have to close off. So I want to, Patrick. If people want to find out more about Backer Buddy, where do they go? How do they find it? Just, it's very straightforward. Just go to backerbuddy.co.za, and um, and you can either contact us through. And there's a, a WhatsApp number there, um, which is the world of most people communicate these days. Yeah. Um, or email, or if anyone would like to, you can also, I'm happy for you to share my cell number directly. 
Okay, so if anybody does uh, request it, we will um, WhatsApp that number to them directly. Backabuddy.co.za with a WhatsApp number. Nicole, um, if they want to find out more from NGO Law uh, about the details, how do they do that? So, thanks, Michelle. Um, So it is um, ngolawsa.co.za is our website. Um, Also, anybody who wants my number that I know you've got, um, that's that's fine. On our website, there's an inquiries portal, and you pop a note in, and it's easy, and somebody will get back to you and let you know how we can assist you and how we can answer questions. That's ngolaw.sa.co.za. ngolawsa.co.za. NGO, or Patrick, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. It's 8 o'clock. It's time for the news.